This is Brian Collins. I'm a uh, former Walt Disney Imagineer, and you're listening to the most wonderful podcast to hit the airwaves, Mousecapade. I want to be the guy that walks backwards on the on the uh, at the haunted mansion when you get on the ride. We are both elementary school teachers. That's right, two brave men. <laughs> two brave men and a women's field. Hello, this is David from Star Tours, and I just helped a Nick's son build his very first lightsaber. Have an idea? Question? Or want to share your experiences on the show? Contact Nick and Dave anytime. Email them at mousecapadespodcast at gmail.com. Text them at 407-674-0414. Follow Nick and Dave on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Simply search for Mousecapades Podcast. Listen to Nick and Dave on iTunes, Podcast Addict, TuneIn Radio, and Stitcher Radio. Simply search for Mousecapades Podcast. Now, from the Mousecapades Studios, here are your hosts, Nick and Dave. Thanks again for listening to another episode of the Nick and Dave Mousecapades Podcast. You know, the other night I was with my son and uh, we were downstairs watching television and one program that we just absolutely love to watch is The Big Bang Theory. I don't know if you've seen the program, maybe you have, maybe you watch it with your family. Uh, By the way, my son's favorite uh, character is Sheldon. and I have to agree, mine kind of is as well too. I just we find him very funny. My my kiddo sometimes tries to emulate him, and he even laughs. Uh, and I don't know if he's just picking it up from you know the laughter that's pre-recorded into the show or whatnot. But it's, it's kind of comical to watch him watch uh, that show. But we're, we're sitting there and we're watching the show, and in the background of the set we see a board game, or I did, you know, the old board game Stratego. And I don't know if. You have played this or, you know, when you were a child or you, you play this right now with your kiddo or with friends. But do you remember that game, Stratego? It was a two-player game. It was a board game. And you had, like, a whole bunch of opponents very, from various ranks. And you had to hide your flag. And the whole objective was to take the enemy's flag. I can remember playing that a lot when I was a kid. But it got me thinking, you know. Uh, Disney is constantly on my mind. And... It got me thinking about strategic plans when planning your next Disney vacation. And the reason why I was thinking Disney vacations and Stratego strategic plans was because we just finished planning our next family vacation to the happiest place on earth. So I we finally made the decision. It did come late this year. Um, usually my family gets together and... Uh, typically at the end of the year, sometime within like the first 15 days of January or so. And uh, we decide if we're going to Walt Disney World, you know. Uh, we really don't decide. I shouldn't say we decide if. It's it's merely when are we going to Walt Disney World. Well, first off, since I'm in the Missouri Air National Guard, uh, I always think about the summer. At least two full weeks are basically blocked out for annual training. And because my wife and I are also both school teachers, like the earliest that we can even plan any vacation is around typically like the, the first of June, maybe like a week outside of uh, June, the first after the first week of June. But this year, I mean, it's been a little different. Um, this year, our school district is set to release for summer break on around June, excuse me, around May uh, 19th. 
And um, we already have like a trip plan. Uh, we're going to pack up the car and pack up Colin and we're going to head out to Colorado to visit my brother. Now, one thing that's pretty cool about this trip uh, is while we're visiting my brother and his kiddos uh, is they have an event going on um, with the 501st Legion. And so this is hosted by, I believe, the Wounded Warrior Project, uh, somehow affiliated with them. Uh, and the 501st Legion is going to be out there. And so that's not like the main reason why we're going. That's a cool reason why we're going. But we have a new addition to the family as well. So I want to get out there and see my new niece as well. Um, actually, two of them, you know, uh, that I want to spend some time with. And, and plus, I have to show the newest niece who her favorite uncle is, right? So if anyone who is a Star Wars fanatic, though, knows about the 501st Legion and what they represent, it's pretty much enough said. So I'll be dorking it up as Kylo Ren. My wife is going as Rey. My son wants to be Luke Skywalker, uh, more specifically Luke from Return of the Jedi, you know, where he's dressed in all black with his green lightsaber looking all bad. Well, you know what? Bad, you know what? So we're going to have a blast in Colorado. When we return, I have to leave for Whiteman Air Force Base for annual training. But there is light at the end of the tunnel because when I return, my son and I are going to Walt Disney World. Yes, I just said just my son and I are going to Walt Disney World. He did hear me right. Uh, so what about my wife, you're probably saying? Well, the original plan was the vacation at Walt Disney World with two other families during the Christmas holiday of this year. Uh, but recently, we had a passing of probably basically the cornerstone of my wife's side of the family. Her grandfather uh, passed away, and so we decided not to leave uh, during the holiday season that's coming up later on in the year. But, you know, because that would be very difficult uh, for everyone. It's a very difficult time, especially during Christmas. I mean, anyone who has lost a, a dear loved one understands the difficulty, the depression, the sadness that can quickly set in, you know, uh, almost like a, like an onset fever, you know, when specific dates roll around, uh, especially that first year of losing a loved one. You know, I, I can definitely relate to that. I lost my brother uh, not so long ago, a few years ago, and I can personally testify that, the, you know, the first year is the most difficult year and where you act, you just need family the most. So after making this decision, you know, we, we decided not to go during the, the holidays. I, I had to ask because, you know, I, I have to get my Disney fix in. I wasn't trying to be rude or mean or, or not understand where she was coming from. I just simply asked, hey, can we just push it forward and, and go in the summertime? Would that be okay? And, you know, my wife uh, looked at me and <laughs> and she, she, she simply said, you can go by yourself if you want to. Uh, my wife doesn't want to fight the crowds apparently this summer and go during peak season because we are both, you know, elementary school teachers. Uh, we have to fight the crowds and we have to deal with the heat and, and everything that comes with it. And we typically go in June because in July it's it's filled with meetings and everything else and setting your classroom back up pretty much uh, 20 days out of that July, the month of July. So typically our vacation time is really only June. And again, remember two weeks of that is cut out during my annual training because of the Missouri Air National Guard. So we really only have a limited window and that means peak season. You're definitely dealing with the heat. You're definitely dealing with the crowd. So I looked at my wife and I said, see ya. And so, yes, my son and I are going to be heading down to the happiest place on earth mid-June, you know, which uh, if you think about it, getting back to Stratego and strategically planning your Disney vacation, this, this I was just thinking about when I was watching Big Bang Theory and I saw that board game Stratego and, you know, we're planning our Disney vacation together. There definitely is a strategy 
and a process to planning a Disney vacation. You have to pick a date, simply. You have to pick a date right up front. Picking a date is so important. Like I said, because I only have two months and basically uh, two weeks of June is eaten up being in the military and the last two weeks of July is pretty much eaten up because of meetings and setting up your classroom and stuff. We have a limited window, you know, so so picking uh, when you can go, <laughs> you're only limited now, just a couple weeks that you can really choose, a few weeks actually, uh, probably about four. It's sort of like uh, picking the next president of the United States. You simply just choose the lesser of the two evils. When is it less hot? It's going to be incredibly hot, but when is it less hot, right? Uh, so for me, uh, in June, I try to go as soon as possible. Early June, the earlier the better, before the crowds get too high, uh, along with the floor temperature and the humidity. Uh, for me, that's the number one killer when vacationing Walt Disney World is the heat. The heat can make the fittest person pass out and, and lay down in the fetal position. We've all seen it at Walt Disney World. If you go down in June, July, August, or, or September, you know the most important thing, hydrate, hydrate, hydrate. I tell everyone this. You must hydrate. You can have that caffeine in that resort mug when you're back at the resort and you're lounging, but make sure you hydrate. And I'd actually recommend at least three days before all you pretty much drink is water because they're definitely, again, like I said, there's a process and part of that's being physically fit. So a quick tip real quick, talking about water, if, if you're going during those hot months where it's very hot and there's high humidity, what I like to do is you freeze a bottle of water overnight in the freezer at the resort and take it with you in, you know, into the parks because they'll let you bring in that bottle of water. And, and just having that water that's melting in the heat because it'll melt pretty quick. It's just very cold and it's very refreshing. You can keep that bottle though because you can, hey, for free, you can refill at all the parks. You know, It's free hydration. You can fill up that bottle. So... What month uh, should you go to Walt Disney World, right? So you can find, actually, Walt Disney World trip planning calendars pretty much everywhere on the web. But there's one site that I have found that I ha personally I think is like the easiest to navigate uh, with great crowd projection calendars. Um, and, and I kind of like, I just like the site too, which is it's very easy. And it's simply, it's called Walt Disney World Prep School. So www.prepschool.com. Check them out. Um, they have a lot of resources to use when choosing your next Disney vacation. I really, really enjoy that site. So here are some other things to consider, you know, when choosing what month to go on vacation at Walt Disney World. What months are you actually able to go, you know, on a Walt Disney World vacation or just, I mean, just in a vacation in general. Do you want to do light, light crowds versus heavy crowds? What do you want to deal with? Do you want to go during peak season because that's the only time you can go like us? Or do you have the option to take vacation with your family and go maybe during um, early uh, early November, maybe in early December, where it's just very light at uh, Walt Disney World? You have to also have to take in consideration when going to Walt Disney World, when are the marathon weekends, holidays, school breaks during the fall, the winter, springtime, and the summer, hurricane season, right? The, the last thing you want to do is spend thousands of dollars on a Walt Disney World vacation and you get there and it's during hurricane season and it rains the whole time. I'm sure it's happened to some of our listeners that are listening right now. You've been in that boat before and it's not fun what's, whatsoever, you know. <laughs> Sorry for the pun, in the boat, right? Um, also consider ride refurbishments. 
you know typically during the fall uh early winter time uh disney starts to work on a lot of their rides and refurb them because the peak season is coming up just around the corner and they want to make sure all the rides are working properly you also have to consider temperature you know and if you and if you go you can look them up and i i'm not so sure if walt disney world prep school.com has uh wdw prep school.com has these up on their web um i'll have to look again but i know you can just simply google you know florida temperature calendars you know projection or what the average typically is during these months and what days i've done that so you definitely have to do your research after you have chosen like what uh, month you know or what week to actually go vacation at the happiest place on earth you have to choose where to stay and the the, the biggest thing to consider on-site versus off-site sometimes you know this can be a huge challenge because of the cost some families save for years. Keep that in mind to visit Walt Disney World. And in my opinion, this is where you can actually save most of your money while vacationing at Walt Disney World. And if you want to trim the budget and cut out costs, I mean, here you go, staying off site. You just have to um, take in the variables. Are you wanting that Disney experience? Are you wanting to be truly in, suffocated inside that Disney bubble like I do? I'm like, I, I totally enjoy being in that Disney bubble. I totally enjoy the atmosphere and, you know, everyone telling you have a magical day and the Disney atmosphere is nonstop. It's sort of like when you leave the parks and you go to an on or an offsite hotel, you've left the magic. If I'm going to travel 16 hours all the way down to Orlando, Florida, I want to be immersed in the magic the whole entire time that I'm staying at Walt Disney World. So um, earlier, um, Jeff, you know, from our Star Wars uh, uh, Hello from the Dark Side podcast, we were actually debating whether to go down this summer with his wife or actually go down in April and cheer on Dave during his Star Wars marathon weekend. And we were choosing whether to stay on resort or stay off resort. Now, I did find... Uh, some pretty cheap rooms and I did find we're trying to go with the cheapest just because we didn't want to spend that much money so if you're wanting wanting to go on the cheap route and you're not really concerned with the Disney bubble and the Disney atmosphere and you can leave the park and it's completely okay I personally wouldn't be okay with it with Jeff I'd just be along for the ride and doing it for him but I did find a Motel 6 and as of just the other day it was $45 a night which was just 6 miles from the park and if you add that up for a six night stay, as you know, because my, my boy and I were going to be staying for six nights now, um, that came up to $270. If you, I'm currently staying, by the way, at the All Star Sports Resort, and for me, it was $138 a night. You multiply that by six, I'm, you're getting $828. That's a difference. That's a savings of $558, just to give you a heads up. But you have to include parking if you're staying off site. If you're staying off-site while vacationing down at the happiest place on Earth, you have to pay a parking fee, right, to get into the parks, and they're all the same. Now, that all depends on what you take, though. RV versus a huge truck versus a simple car. Now, a simple car, that fits four to five people, right? That's a typical family, a family of four. You're going to spend $20 a day. So if you factor that into your costs with staying off-site, that's an extra $80 in just parking. And so the difference now, you're, you're saving $478. So 
there you can clearly see that the biggest savings you're going to have uh, from your budget is going to come from cutting costs and staying off-site. But for me, it's all about the Disney experience and all being inside that Disney bubble, right? So staying on-site. Hotels uh, at Walt Disney World do offer some advantages, such as you know you have access to the transportation system, the bus transportation system. You're cruising at an altitude of 24 inches, right, from your to from and to your destination. Uh, you can also partake in the Fast Pass uh, Plus. You know, up to 60 days beforehand, uh, you can you can actually book what ride you want to go on inside the parks also 180 days beforehand you can book your dining which which is pretty cool right yeah you set up where you want to eat which is one of the steps that we'll talk about in just a sec you also have the ability to use the extra magic hours that come with the parks as well so again you can go to wdwprepschool.com and you can see all the stuff this wonderful stuff that they have laid out with the extra magic hours and a whole bunch of other information. So talking about using the Disney Dining Plan, we've talked about that. Also, like I just said, you know, you're able to immerse yourself in that Disney experience that never leaves you. You can send purchases, you know, things that you purchase at the parks. You know, my wife and I, we've done this the last couple of years. Uh, everything that we bought for Colin or for ourselves or for family or friends. We had them just simply ship that back to our resort, more specifically to the room. We didn't have to pick that up at concierge service. We just walked in our room, and it was there. It was pretty cool. Um, now, if it's not there, because sometimes it's not, it just depends how busy they are, you can pick it up at concierge service. But for the most part, it was right there waiting for us on the bed, which was awesome. So you can definitely partake into that. Um, now one big disadvantage of staying on site, like I was telling you earlier, obviously you're going to spend more money, right? The hotels are more expensive than all the other hotels that are off site. Like I said earlier, you, you take an account of staying off site and you're paying for parking still $20 a day. You're going to save for, uh, $478. You know, that's a, that's a lot of savings. Now, Staying off-site again real quick, off-site, uh, off-site hotels are the cheaper option. You, uh, you save lots of money. Um, you can tear away from the park and actually get a break from the Disney experience if, if that's what you're into. I personally am not. You can um, check out if you do are planning a vacation down to Walt Disney World, but you really don't want to stay on-site. If you go to mousesavers.com, oh my gosh, there's a huge, wonderful list on a whole bunch of off-site uh, hotels that you can stay at. Uh, real quick, um, parking. I do want to go over parking real quick. So if you are staying off-site, uh, parking is available throughout Walt Disney World. And all the theme parks are the same. So for a car or a motorcycle, you're paying $20 per day. If you arrive with a group in a shuttle or you're in a limo, a camper, a trailer, or an RV, you're going to spend $22 per day. If you arrive on a bus full of people, um, or if you have like a huge tractor trailer uh, that you're pulling like on your SUV or something like that, they're going to charge you an extra extra $3. So you're going to be, you're going to be, excuse me, an extra $5 from just a typical car. So you're going to spend about $25 uh, per day. So, so again, where to stay? 
You know, I, this trip, I simply just chose the cheapest option available during the peak season because I have to go during peak season. I'm only limited to peak season this year, and I'm staying at the All-Star Sports Resort. Now, some considerations that you have to think about when staying at the All-Star uh, Sports Resort during peak season, obviously, is the large groups. You can have large groups as small as 30 people to as large as hundreds, and we see them year after year. If you take Walt Disney World vacations, you know exactly what I'm talking about. I'm talking about all those senior trips domestically and internationally with the groups that come in and sometimes have hundreds and they're singing and they're chanting. Well, that happens at the resorts as well. It's not just limited to the park. So you have the problem of also cheerleading competitions that take place as well. And you're, you're going to have that. That's going to be in your face. So there are all these considerations that you're going to have to make. And for me, honestly, I really don't care, honestly, because I'm sticking to a plan and my plan doesn't uh, involve me spending too much time at the resorts. And let's face it, you really don't spend that much time at a resort anyway, right? So again, where to stay? There are a couple dozen hotels that you can actually choose uh, for on-site stays. Uh, my, these are my favorites, by the way, in, in the various categories. So for me, the best value resort is the Art of Animation. My family and I, we've gone there the past two years. It's amazing. It's great for kids. They have awesome themed areas with cars. They have like a car section, like a car's land, and they have these replica cars that are pretty cool. The swimming pool is awesome. Like my favorite location is probably the Cozy Cone down there at the swimming pool. Just because it's off to the side. And no one from the Lion King suites or the Nemo suites or the Little Mermaid suites even go down there because it's too far. It's off to its side. So you kind of have the pool to yourself. Now, with that said, the Nemo pool, though, though, is really, truly amazing. It is an awesome experience. And I don't know about the other parks, um, excuse me, the resorts, but I know at this resort, they pump music underwater. So when you go underwater, you hear different uh, Disney music that's playing. So it's pretty cool. Um, the best value resort in my mind is the Port Orleans Riverside or the French Quarter. <laughs> I like both of them. Um, they're, they're really cool. Um, and the best value uh, deluxe category is the Polynesian Resort. They've done a lot of changes to the Polynesian Resort. And it's really sweet. You know, they have that beach there. And also that brings me to the deluxe villas. You have the best value deluxe, uh, which to me is the villas, the Polynesian villas and bungalows. Here's a place where you can be immersed in a Hawaiian atmosphere, right? And you can just sit out on your deck or in the sand and watch the Wishes presentation at night across Bay Lake, right? I mean, how it doesn't get more romantic than that, especially if, you know, you're with your significant other or, or your spouse, right? It's pretty sweet. Now, the downside of that, it costs a lot of money, right? And uh, being two teachers, uh, teachers make peanuts. And so we have to save up those peanuts for a long time to stay, the, to stay there. So uh, next on my list, uh, you got to check this off. You have to make a daily plan. So uh, you got to ask yourself, how many days will you be uh, staying at Walt Disney World? Depending upon how many days you're actually staying, that's going to dictate how many days you're in each park. For me, I'm going to be with my son, and I plan to spend the first uh, day at actual two parks. I'm going to spend it at Disney Hollywood Studios and the Animal Kingdom. For the rest of my time, for the next three days, 
that's going to be spent at the Magic Kingdom. This year, I will not be going to Epcot, even though Epcot is probably one of my favorite parks um, as an adult now. Uh, since I'll have Colin with me, I'm going to do a lot of kid-friendly stuff. And we're going to be able to ride the Haunted Mansion, which he really wants to ride really bad, and I'm assuming we're going to go on it lots. So you have to you have to ask yourself, where am I going? And that all depends on how many days you're staying at Walt Disney World. There is also a great crowd meter chart and suggested days to spend at each park according to how many days uh, you'll actually be vacationing. And again, those charts can also be found at wdwprepschool.com. They're amazing people. Seriously, go look at them. Um, but here are some variables in choosing uh, a park, okay? Well, how many children are going to be in your party? Are you going down where you have lots of, uh, like me, oh my gosh, I have lots of nephews and lots of nieces. Are you going down in one big family? We're going to have lots of small children, right? Um, so how many children are in the party? How many adults are in the party? Are you going with an older group that are going to find themselves at the Yacht and Beach Club a lot, you know, or the Caribbean um, Beach Club, and you're just hanging out at the resorts, and you're not really doing too much uh, park hopping, right, or spending your days in the parks. So how many days are going to be, uh, or excuse me, how many adults are going to have in the party? Do you have a favorite park? You know, for me, it's the Magic Kingdom. And for a lot of us listening, it's the Magic Kingdom. That's what we grew up on. Uh, what are your must-dos, right? So for me, there are some must-dos. I have to go on Jungle Cruise. I have to go on now Seven Dwarfs Mine Train. It's amazing. You know, I have to do Splash Mountain. A lot of these rides that are my half-dos are in the Magic Kingdom. One that's not, and it's outside the Magic Kingdom in Disney Hollywood Studios you got it. You know me. It's Star Tours, right? And for my boy, it's Star Tours. We're definitely going to sign him up for the Jedi Academy. We're going to write Star Tours. So those are your, your must-dos. You know, you have to think about that. You have to think about environment versus rides. And what I mean by that, obviously, the environment would be a park like Epcot, you know? Or do you want to walk around to the various pavilions? Or do you want to ride a whole bunch of rides? Now, Epcot does have rides. So don't get me wrong. They have really just two great rides and that's about it um you have soren which is under refurbishment and it will be when we go down there it's being upgraded right now and you have test track that's pretty much it you can get that done in an hour less than that and you're out of there right or take a take a lap around the lake and and get your steps in look at your fitbit and you're good to go and you're out the door but if you have kids i would suggest going to the other park kingdoms excuse me not really epcot and you also have to take in consideration any extra magic hours. My rationale for choosing Disney Hollywood Studios was simply this, and I mentioned this earlier. Star Wars and the Jedi Academy. So we're definitely going to split that day at Animal Kingdom, and that's because we just really want to get on Safari this year. You know, last year we skipped it, and uh, we really just we really love Safari, and we want to we go back on it this year. Also, um, both parks are show-heavy. So we're going to ease into our vacation and enjoy the shows. So after you've already figured out when you're going down, where you're staying, you're kind of developing that plan. You have to choose your dining options, right? And you got to eat. You got to eat. You got to eat. And for me, I love, I, you, if you've listened to this podcast before, you know for me, it's all about the experience, the ambiance, and the food. I, I love the Disney food. So I've already done the math here as well. The big question is, 
paying out of pocket or choosing a dining plan. So I've done the math for us here. So just listen to us. So, so like for my son and I, we're, if we were to spend out of pocket, we would spend roughly $450. Okay. If you, for our whole entire stay, if we choose a dining plan, which the one that we chose, we chose the cheapest plan, which was the quick service dining plan. And you get two quick service meals, one snack and a refillable mug. All right. So keep in mind, if you pay out of pocket, you're spending roughly around $450. You don't get that one snack a day. You don't get that refillable mug with unlimited refills, right? So if you go on the Disney dining plan, I've already done the math. It costs me $42.84 a day for an adult. Times that by six because I'll be there for six days. And for a child, it's $17.47 per day for six nights, right? For six days because that's how long I'm going to be there. It came up to a total of $361.86. That's a total savings of $88.14 choosing a dining plan. All right. So it just made sense for me to go ahead and choose a quick service dining plan. Because if you pay out of your own pocket, on average, for an adult, you're going to spend about $14.99 for every single meal, except for maybe like breakfast, you're going to spend probably $8.99 to $10.99. Uh, but the rest of them are going to be like $14.99 on up. For a child, you're going to spend probably $4.99 to $9.99 for, for breakfast. And the rest of the meals for lunch and dinner are going to be probably about $10. So I've done the math and you actually save, at least for us we do, $88.14. So there are various plans. Now you have the quick service dining. You have the regular dining, which is typically the, the plan that my family, that, that we actually choose year after year. And you have the deluxe dining, which for me just seems to be too much food. And you heard that correctly. I just said too much food. You know how much I'm really into too much food, but so like the quick, okay, so let's get back to the quick service dining. Like I said, you get two quick service meals, one snack, one refillable mug, for an adult, that's $42.84. For a child, uh, 3 to 9, $17.47. And the beauty of it, if your child is less than three years old, it's free, which is kind of cool. And he's free to get in here, she's free to get in the parks as well. And they don't actually include them as someone staying inside a resort room when making a reservation. Then you have the regular dining plan. You get one table service meal, one quick service meal one snack, and a refillable mug with unlimited refills. And that's going to cost you $61.84 a person. And that's for an adult. For a child, it's $20.96. Finally, you have the deluxe dining. That is three uh, meals. That can be any combination of a table service or quick service. So you can do any combination of them all. Um, two snacks and one refillable mug. You're going to spend about $111.73 as an adult. For a child, you're looking at $32.56. So now that you've thought about when you're going down, right, uh, where you're going to stay, your dining plan, now you have to think about how am I going to prepare for this trip, right? So now that you've scratched the surface and outlining your next Walt Disney World vacation, you need to prepare. And I'm talking about, listeners, you need to prepare physically, technically, and spiritually, you're, and seriously, you're probably laughing at me right now, but I'm, I'm telling you, I'm being completely honest right now. Um, the veteran Disney goer right now are most likely giving me an amen right now because it, it's so true, people. The worst thing you can do to give yourself the most horrific, awful Disney experience is not planning whatsoever. 
We see this all the time in the parks with families arguing with their kids. They're screaming. They're crying. Uh, You must prepare. I can't say that enough. Let me say it again. You must prepare, right? For starters, uh, honestly, you might be laughing at me, but I'm preparing physically right now by running two miles a day. Yes. Okay, so you may think I'm crazy. It's only March. And I'm training right now as we speak to ensure that my body can overcome because Florida is is hot, dude. So my body needs to overcome the Florida heat and the humidity in mid-June. It is awful. You feel like you're in hell uh, <laughs> at Walt Disney World because of the heat, right? And the people screaming and crying. So you need to prepare yourself physically. And yeah, I'm, I'm running and I've committed myself. Uh, and I have been since last week, two miles a day. By the time I get to Walt Disney World, I'll be good to go, right? So I challenge you, if you're going to Walt Disney World in June, July, or August, or September, uh, you're going to be walking for 12 or 14 straight hours. Prepare yourself, right? Physically prepare yourself. Like I said, you're walking for 12, 14 straight hours. And if you're not preparing your body for a theme park, for walking around all day long, it's going to be physical torture for you. I'm serious. Make sure you drink mostly water, like I said earlier, three days in advance of your trip going to uh, Walt Disney World, definitely during the summertime. You have to drink lots of water. Hydrate, hydrate, hydrate. It all goes back to staying hydrated. Too many times, I know you've seen this too, it doesn't matter, young and old, either passed out or in the process of falling down because their body just isn't used to the extreme heat coupled with the constant exercise of always being on the go, right? And you're stressed out. On our last vacation, my parents are with me and I'll be honest, and they're probably listening to this podcast right now, so I apologize right up front, mom and dad, but you had a hard time keeping up with us just a few hours into the day. One, because, listeners, you have to be physically prepared. They were not physically prepared and conditioned for 12 to 14 straight hours in the parks. So please know your limits and try to prepare yourself physically for the, gr- for the great time that you're going to have with the family. Next, you need to be technically ready. All right, prepare yourself. What does it mean? Well, I will cover most of this in another podcast where I'll break down the specifics, but what you need to know right now for your parks is just be smart about touring them, okay? Be familiar with the park times. Don't zigzag back and forth from one side to the park to the other. Understand your wait times for the rides, the best time to go, and specific rides. Utilize shows to your advantage for entertainment and for breaks, breaks from the heat, right? Finally, you need to be spiritually ready. I've always said, if you want to test your marriage or your relationship with your significant other, children, take them to Walt Disney World or Disneyland. Depending upon when you go during the season, be prepared to hurry up and wait with everything you do while vacationing. Being in the military, I'm very much conditioned to this, but I must say, coupled with excitement and the tens of thousands alongside with you, And with me, you know, sometimes packed like sardines, your mental health is tested every second of the day. So be prepared. Be prepared and expect all those wait times. Accept the fact that you'll be waiting nonstop, actually. Be prepared to to be asked to move to the center uh, being smashed in the process. I'm telling you, with the heat, maybe a little dehydration, crying kids, a cranky spouse and a very long day feeling like you're just cattle being herded from one side of the farm to the other, 
you can become crazy and break down super fast. So long story short, be spiritually ready, my friends. All right. Well, that's all I have for you today. I wanted to share uh, some trip planning techniques that you can use to make your next Disney vacation just that much more enjoyable and magical. In future podcasts that I'm really excited to publish, I will be spent breaking down those tour plans, right? Those touring plans that we talked about earlier and how to effectively manage each park and conquer them, right? What park extras should you think about? Best resort stays and the pros and cons. So thank you for listening to the number one podcast that entertains that space between your ears. If you have any uh, questions or comments or want to be part on the show, contact us at 407-674-0414, or you can always email us at mousecapadespodcast at gmail.com. Peace. Have a magical day.